1: Hi there, I'm Jake Humphrey. Welcome to this week's Premier League Tonight podcast. Joining myself at Wembley to discuss the day's action and so much more besides former Spurs player and manager Glenn Hoddle, Jermaine Genus, and Rio Ferdinand. Hey, I'll tell you what, Kyung Min Son is some player, isn't he? The, the others get the headlines, but he just performs week in, week out. Yeah, he's, he's, he was excellent today, and he has been. He has been
0: for quite some time. Um, but uh, he's got everything about him. I think the, yeah. the big thing now, he believes he's a part of this team, part mm-hmm. of this club. He's got the confidence there. He's always had ability, but I think he's put that consistency together. Uh, he's seen pictures now that he's, when he first arrived, he was, you didn't think he was going to mm-hmm. be that sort of player. But he's rich. So and you mean, think that's seems,
1: a belief or a self-confidence? Yeah, I think thing.
0: self-confidence, the manager's given him that. Yeah. He's had time to adjust. But I really feel he feels now... He's, you know, if there was a cup final to be paid tomorrow for Spurs, he'd be in that starting eleven. I don't think he felt
1: that you know, right. two years ago. Okay, right. Well, let's carry on talking about Spurs then. Let's hear from John. He's a Spurs fan. Just finished at Wembley. We've won four um, nil. Harry Kane surpassed Teddy Sheringham's Premier League goal scoring record as well at the age of 24. Uh, everyone played brilliantly. Uh, Shout-out to Min Son, who was absolutely great. Uh, Ali, erikson all of the defence. Everton were absolutely terrible, though. I don't know what their game plan was, but it didn't work. Um, but great for us going into a really difficult month of fixtures. So, up the Spurs. Yeah, so he's happy. Up the Spurs, he says. Um, I want to talk about Everton and the Theo Walcott link. The way that Sam was talking in his press conference this week, it almost sounded like the deal had been done. You would have been there when Theo went to the World Cup at that young tender age and you're one of these great hopes. You've played with him for your country, you've watched him for years. How do you feel about where things have ended up for Theo at the moment and how important a move is for him now?
2: Um,
3: He burst onto the scene and everyone was talking about the potential he had and yet rightly so. But um, for me, I don't think he's fulfilled that potential. He should have been going into this Arsenal team and being a mainstay. And taking over the mantle was the go-to guy with the the ability, the pace, the power, um, how direct he was. And I just think, as a player, I don't think he evolved uh, as as well as maybe his potential suggested. And there was always that muted, "I want to be a centre forward rather than a winger," and that never materialised. And. You can only look at yourself in them situations. I think this is a perfect opportunity for him now to come out of the shadows at Arsenal and go into a team like Everton and try and take that mentor as a, and the responsibility of being a main star player in the team because he promised that so often for, for Arsenal and never really delivered that on a Do consistent you think basis. You believed in him? I think he had belief in him, but I, and he had belief for him to fulfil the potential. But I, I just don't think he ever did that. And uh, he scored goals. He scored some important goals here and there, but. When you're looking to become a top, top level player, consistency is so key in, 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 in becoming that. And I think that the players in your team then rely on you to, and look to you for situ, in certain situations to, to win big games and, and, and defining moments in periods for, for, for teams. And I, he never really done that. And I think for the likes of Sanchez and Ozil to come in and take over their mantles as well, I think personally as a player, you'd take that as a hit on your
1: pride. Rio seems to very much be laying this at Theo Walcott's door, nobody else's.
0: I, I, I feel for him because I think he was... I've said it before many times about Theo, he was fast-tracked too quickly. And as a youngster, you need to be coached. You need to, because you're in the first team, yeah. they leave you alone. He wasn't taken back and given the extra little bit of how to make movement, where to be, where the ball's here. He, he was faster at 16, I
1: think. It's not only ever a good thing that he got the chance to experience a World Cup. He was in the first team. He was yeah. made to feel like he was a superstar... Yeah, but you've got. How's you've that got to learn, you're learning, he's learning on the job,
0: where you've got to learn yeah. as a youngster. You've got to go in there and you've got to take every game. There's things that you're going to make mistakes on. Mm. Even positional things, for me, he's, he's got pace to burn. But he never really knew if he was a striker or a one. But he
1: must know by now, Glenn, he's in his late That's 20s now. I, I agree with you. Yeah. He's, he's,
0: he's in his actual peak. He hasn't even hit his peak yet. At 27 to 32, he could hit his peak. He really can because the game should be, he should understand the game by then. And I don't think he's ever really been taught the game. He doesn't really understand the game.
3: He's still actually like a 22 year old. Well, I'd like to ask I him, Glenn. It. I'd like to ask him do you feel you've been let down mm. by coaches? Do you think you've been neglected in that area? Do you think scoring the hat trick for England against Croatia, away yeah. in Croatia, went against him because people start automatically thinking you're almost a finished article. We don't have to work on him because of the, what he's showing us. Um, in certain games and I think that's what I'd like to know and I think he's been quite he's been admirably quite, quite a quiet guy you haven't heard too much about Theo in terms of speaking out and, and whatnot. but in terms of football I'd love to know from him does he feel that he could have had more from coaches around him
4: I think he's about maybe four years too late in terms of moving as well for the last four years he's not been uh, a starting 11 player for, for Arsenal Football Club he's been in and out off the bench starting in uh, European fixtures this season Um, They haven't kind of turned to Theo really at any stage over the last few years and gone, you are one of our main players, you're one of our senior players and we're going to start you every single week. That for me would have been alarm bells and I think he should have probably looked at that point then and gone, Mm. I need to kick on and go and make myself the player that... I believe I can be somewhere else because this isn't the place for that. He may get the opportunity to if do any that. If a player
0: now. gets treated like that, you're never going to get your true potential. Correct, you're yeah. never going to feel, like we said about Son earlier, he's, he's gone on leaps and bounds. He mm. feels a part of that mm. first 11 now, that spine of the team. And I think Theo's never had that cushion. He's never had that well. If I have a couple of poor games, I still know I'm going to be the, the, the management are behind me. I'm learning. I've got people that's taking me away, analysing my game, improving my game.
1: He, and, has he been mismanaged? Is that what you're saying? Slightly,
0: yeah, yeah. I think a lot of it's got to come down to him as well. You know, I don't know whether he is somebody that seeks knowledge and, and wants to the, to be thirsty and, and to improve and improve and go out there and spend hour and hour. I don't know if he's like the type of player, but the manager or a coach or somewhere along the line. I felt sorry for him because at 15 he was in Southampton reserves, 16 he was in the first team. England took him away far too early. You know, he got the move to Arsenal before he was ready to go to Arsenal. And I think he needed to be coached, he needed some help there. And if you haven't got the right experienced players that are going to put their arm around him or the coaches there. It's going to take him a hell of a long time yeah. to learn what he needs to do. I just, I've just, i just watched him over the,
3: the period of time not go where he could have done because he's got the talent. That's the same And it frustrates you, thing. I think, because yeah. he's got all the tools yes. to go on and be a, 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 a game changer at the top level because the pace he possesses can, he can take any defender out of the game. But it's them same mistakes in terms of the, identifying the right time to make runs, the timing, then decision making
1: once you get in and that's a, that's a, a winger's bread and butter. I know a lot of players watch this show. If he's watching this now, what would you want him to do if he gets the move to Everton? What, what do you want to see in his game that you've not been seeing at Arsenal? Definitely decision-making.
3: Um, be more decisive in that area, but also just the, 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 the runs and being direct. And There are times in, the, in his Arsenal career where you think the penny's dropped, he's on it, and then all of a sudden he's out of the team again through performance or what not or whatever Arsenal Wenger de- deemed for him to come out of the team and I think uh, the level of consistency to yeah. go into a team yeah. and really push on and show people this is why I went on the plane early to a World Cup, this is why I was in the England squad so early, this is why I was in the see, team. I watched him. I still would love to just see
1: him be brilliant because you, 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 you saw this great kid, you know. It's Promises something. so much. Oh,
4: absolutely. Consistency is key. Yeah. Simple as that and he will achieve that if he gets to play week in, week out. Okay.
1: Interesting chat, thanks guys. Uh, let's move on then, take a look at the headlines from today. Seven games, seven big games as well, blank and blue. Difficult times for Chelsea, another nil-nil draw for them. He is not a happy man at the moment, Antonio Conte will talk about them very shortly finally West Brom for the first time since August have won a game of football in the Premier League they needed that 20 rounds of Premier League games and finally they pick up a, they pick up a win and Saints and Sinners um, a real big incident in that game uh, the decore handball up against Southampton of course Saints were leading at the time um, and then the handball happened um, you may have seen it. it's been all over social media it's a big story from today and it's fair to say Saints fans are aggrieved let's hear from John Bailey
5: Absolutely gutted. We were totally robbed by Watford there with a last minute handball. You know, totally feeling we really, really could have done with the three points
4: today. Um, I'd be well up for them experimenting with VAR at St Mary's. We always seem to get robbed by the refs. Uh, It was the same in the League Cup final uh, last season. You know, we should have won that and maybe we'll get relegated from the points we've lost today.
1: Well, exactly. That's the point, isn't it? Um, and it was two points, I suppose, really for Southampton There, you can see. that. I mean, look at that. It couldn't be more blatant. I know that sometimes still images like this don't tell the whole story and they can make things look a lot worse than they actually are. But let's bring Graham Pohl into the conversation. And Graham, we've all had the chance to see this and that doesn't really make it look more blatant than it was. I mean, it was pretty clear, wasn't it?
2: It was even at, even at full speed. You, you you kind of call it as a as a handball. You know there's something wrong with it with a goal. And and, and what, what frustrated me about the game was Roger East referee in the game. Watford were building up ahead of steam. They got one goal back from two 0 down. They were attacking. You, you'd be on your toes as a referee. You'd be looking for things, and you should be sharp. And if you're sharp, you don't miss that kind of decision. If a team's five nil up and that happens, of course you should never miss it. But you can kind of see why. In this situation, a referee's got to be at it. And he's got to see that kind of thing going on.
1: And of course, you know, we, we have to lay a fair amount of the blame at Roger East's store. But also, decorate. you don't want footballers looking to get you know, sneaky handballs to win matches. It just doesn't sit nicely with fans or opposition players. But there's nothing the FA can do about this, is there? If it was a dive, the FA could take a look at this and have a word, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. If, if a player successfully deceives a match official for di- by diving, then he'll be uh, retrospectively banned for two matches. Uh, there's nothing, nothing at all that they can do in this situation. So uh, Watford have got the point. Uh, Southampton have lost two points from it. And uh, it's, it's it's a very, very unsatisfactory situation. And, of course, we're all looking at VAR to solve this, which it would because it's a clear and obvious error. So they would come in, they would overall and the goal wouldn't stand. But the match officials on today's game shouldn't need VAR. They should see that. And that's... that's a, You know, I don't like criticising referees. Roger's a good referee and he's just had a bad moment in this game. And it's it's, it's, it's poor.
1: Uh, there's still plenty of criticism actually coming in for the Southampton players, even though um, there was a the handball incident. You think gone being a bit tough by calling it deliberate? Maybe it wasn't deliberate. I don't think it was deliberate. I
0: think, yes, yeah. Graham's right. It should have been seen at, that, at this level. They're professional now. They should between the, the, the linesman and the referee, all that sort of thing, of course. I don't think five yards, six yards before that, as that ball's being flashed across, he's thinking, I'm going to handle no. this. He tries to get his head there, and it's a reaction. It's a reaction that his hand. He's not gone like that. I don't think he's trying to score no. with his hand. It's a reaction that you're expecting the officials to say, hang on a minute, that was handball, free kick. And when it, when it doesn't happen, there's no player in, on this planet who's going to say... By the way, Ref, I yeah. handled that. It's not a goal.
3: Would you want him to, when he was managing, to have so, gone hold on a minute? No, a bit of integrity, excuse me. Would no, you? you see, their
0: manager. He was. He was. Uh, it went right over to the manager, the the, the, the camera, and he
1: was celebrating like nothing.
3: Probably give
1: him a bonus, would not he? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think Glenn's right. It, 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 it wasn't deliberate, but it clearly happened. Yeah. And I'm also right in saying that if De had actually thought, you know, what I, I, I can't get a point in the Premier League game by knowing I've touched it with my hand. If he went to the referee after the goal had been given and said, actually, ref, I, I touched that. There's nothing the ref can do, is there?
2: No, no, there's not. And uh, I'm going to get killed by Rio and and JJ for this one. But if a player comes up and says to you, honestly, I've handled that ball. Don't allow the goal. You know, it was a reactive thing. I can't help myself. Just disallow it. You'd have to say, I can't because I haven't seen it. And I can't just go on what you're telling me. I have to go on what I've seen. And I can talk to my assistant. He hasn't seen it either. I have to give a goal. And that's that seemed unsatisfactory because the guy's being honest. But that's football.
3: Wow. So I'll handball it knowing that I can get away with it then. Mm-hmm. You can outball it, it and know it, that you can get happened, away.
4: Robbie it. Fowler once of a penalty. Mm. Well, I think someone get, yeah. it, it fouled him and he, he admitted to diving and said, "No, no, no, it's not a yeah, penalty." Right, and the yeah. ref yes. still gave the penalty. Yeah.
1: That is, that's actually ridiculous, Graham. When you think about it, is it? There has to be some sort of recourse for a referee when a player says, Do "You know what, ref? I know you've given it, but you, you can't you can't give it." You've
2: got you've got to see it from the other side as well. Okay, so so if you believe him and you disallow the goal, a moment later. You think you've seen a handball. You give it because you're, you're pretty sure. He comes to you. He's put it in the net. He comes to you goes, I promise you. You know, I told you last time I handled it. This time I didn't. Then you're, then you're in a position. So you've got to be consistent. It's always, you're always told. You give what you see and that's all you can do. And that's that's one of the reasons why they're bringing VAR in. You've
3: you done well there, Graham. You got out of that one. <laughs> yes, actually. <laughs> on.
2: it did it right, but it's still, a, it's still a
4: much stranger situation for the player who has scored the goal to come and tell you that you need to take that goal yeah. away. You know that is—it's unheard no, I mean,
0: of. Players, you wouldn't do that in an 8 aside side when you're playing against each other. No, exactly. You it's unheard of in an 8 no you've, no, no, no. you, you, you've, you've, you've seen players—you've seen players in the past. You've
1: seen players in the past tell the ref he didn't actually touch me when, when when the ref's blown for a foul or something. We've seen that. You know, asking exactly as you said, don't send him off. Yeah, but that's for if your didn't...
4: benefit. Oh, what? Saying that don't send him off. that's a little bit different to a last-minute winner. A oh, last-minute equaliser. Yeah. Sorry, you know, for you as a player to go put, you know, having equalised in the last minute and say to a referee, "Listen, I am bored that you, you know for the sake of your officials, like... you need to rectify the situation." It's slightly different, you right. know. So you then—I don't know. It's
1: a strange emotion actually, because he would have known, Decorey, wouldn't he? That even if he, it was not intentional, he would know that the cameras have seen it. Everyone is going to be talking about it, and he kept looking at the line as he walked away. Didn't he? He no. did, That's yeah. the
3: thing. Now he'd be on the coach on the way home, whatever he's
4: doing. I still think he knew what he was doing yeah i only, you really do I, yeah i do because i think he's that to get I, his, net, his head there it's still but why i don't get why you know i think he knows to if he, if he puts his he- his arm in the in, in the right area yeah. it will hit it i think he's just trying to be no he knows he's not going to head the ball and he's thinking well if it hits my arm and goes in then i'll see what happens. just and chancing I think, his arm Literally. <laughs>
1: Literally.
4: <laughs> <laughs> if we have a look at, the, if we have a look at the yeah, I mean he's
1: it, a he's a strange he's a strange position for that right arm compared to the left actually. I when you needs, when uh, you look at uh, it, like I that. think he
0: knows what he's doing. Unfortunately,
4: do I do. Yeah, I don't want to think that
1: though. Do you? He's done
0: it in a nanosecond. If he
1: has, it's a nanosecond. But sometimes, if he's sometimes, right, a nanosecond. sometimes though, it, you know, you will or not have played the game. That's how it is, isn't it? In football, you, uh, something happens all, so quickly. You kind of make a conscious decision, but it's in the moment almost. Yeah, you do that with passes. You do it in, 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 in play, you do it. It's an instinct,
0: it mm. just happens. Yeah.
1: Well, you'd think that perhaps the Southampton fans would cut their manager a bit of slack for dropping a couple of points, but... <laughs> JJ Hughes, that couldn't have been any more predictable today. Sack Pellegrino before it's too late, please. Um, Nige says it might be handball, but shocking from Saints and Pellegrino. Again, we could all see this at half-time. Fresh Saints, Mauricio Pellegrino's game management is a joke. It's genuinely laughable. All that hard work in the first half has been undone from failing to react to a 4-4-2 long ball. When do we say enough is enough? And uh, Ashley Whiteway, the only tweet I want to see from Southampton is the one announcing Pellegrino's sacking um, and all that from man who um, basically drew a game of football because of that handball. A couple of quick ones on uh, Theo Walcott. uh, Peter Reeves Um, Is the problem with Theo and the Ox not them and more Wenger's management of young players? Um, And Finton McHale talking about Walcott another indictment on Wenger not developing players who have obvious talent. Three word match reports Uh, Matthew Thompson who's an Everton fan says pitiful hopeless display Um, Dylan is a Spurs fan son equals underrated he certainly does. Uh, Rob Hand of God, he's a Saints fan. Russell Carey, thrown away again, also a Southampton fan. And John, who's a Chelsea fan, Morata is lightweight. Let's talk Chelsea then, let's hear from Rory.
5: It's a disastrous day for Chelsea Football Club, I'm gutted. Uh, That's three 0-0 draws in a week, we're still winless in 2018. And to compound my misery... Ten-man Leicester will be gutted they didn't win that game. Thibaut Courtois kept us in it. We really offered nothing, and there is big, big trouble at Stamford Bridge. I don't know what the answer is. Something isn't right. We can't score a goal. We have a misfiring centre-forward. We're playing three defensive midfielders at home against Leicester. Big problems. Gutted.
1: Something's not right at the bridge,
0: is it? No, it's not. Obviously, that's evident, isn't it? <laughs> Struggling to score goals with a, with a squad like that. you you would never see Chelsea having a batch of games where they can't score a goal, for starters. But, yeah, I think, I've said it recently, I think he's got to, people have sussed the way they're playing. It was great last year when he switched into that back five. And they do play a back five. They get forced back into a five. They don't get out and attack. You can play as a back three in possession. But I I think he looks that Italian way. And and I think he's got to change it. He's got to go back to another system that's going to
1: work. They're, they're, They're predictable at the moment. They really are three defensive midfielders today up against Leicester and I also wonder about the manager he was asked this week about his future and instead of just saying oh, I'm really happy here I'm loving it he just said in football everything is possible it's not a growing endorsement for wanting to stay long term at Chelsea
3: no it isn't but I think he's probably looking at the history of managers that have been at the football club We mentioned Pete you can win the league and still get the sack there mm-hmm. um, and that's been the, the way things have been at, at Chelsea over, over the past few years but I think also that uh, a manager's demeanour and mood will filter down through to the players. And I think that's what we've seen, especially at the turn of the year, the run of results they've had. There isn't a sharpness, there isn't a spark around that squad at the moment. And that, you can see in him, the manager, you see him in his press conference. He's had this little spout with Mourinho. Also, he seems like he's a little bit downtrodden. And it, that, that spark
4: he had before isn't there at the moment. I'm seeing strange decisions, though, uh, also. Um, you know, we talk about the three in midfield. Now, obviously, that's the strength in you. I mean, in what we watched before we came out to prepare for this game, Leicester were were more than on top uh, and creating so many chances. In the last two games I've watched, he's also dragged Hazard around the... 80 or 75 minute mark I mean he's your best player if anything, if anyone's going to get you a goal it's going yeah. to be Hazard whether he's, he's got an injury today. he did it today I know, yeah, I know he's yeah. taken off again today yeah. so whether he's got an injury or, or not I'm not so sure but strange decisions that are, that are happening on the pitch as well which I'm yeah. sure are not helping with things in and around the stadium
1: and he was asked to, um, about going in for Alexis Sanchez as well and instead of giving an answer like "Well, I'd really like the player or I don't really want the player mm. the, the, the journalist in the press conference said why are you not bidding for him and he just said I don't know you know, This is a manager who tried to sign him, of course, when he was at Juve, so we know he likes the player. For him to come out and say, I don't know, it, it, you almost get the impression that something is going on there behind the scenes. Yeah. He's just he's not happy. That's his way of saying I'm not making the decisions right, yeah. on who yeah. we're going to go and buy, which is ludicrous. Um, but uh, as, as someone who's been a manager, what would it be like trying to manage a football club and not be responsible for who you sign and don't sign? Well, I think
0: for British managers, that's, that's been really difficult for them because we've always had the say. I think for uh, if you've managed in Italy and Spain to a certain degree, but for the top teams, it doesn't matter. For the old the AC Milan teams and Inter Milan and Juventus, if you don't get a top player there, you get the second top player. And you go and coach them. We buy the players. Mm. You go and coach them. Yeah. You know They're adjusting to that. Now, Conte would be used to that. He had the same sort of problem at Juventus in the end. He wants the say. He wants to be a manager that has a big, big part, probably 70, 80 percent of, yeah, we want to get this player, that player and him. So he's not getting that at Chelsea. That's pretty obvious. And I think the way
4: he answered that about Sanchez is his way of saying it. And and which, by the way, you know, just to kind of balance it out from Chelsea's point of view, is it it could be the right way for them to do things. You know, Rio mentioned the history of managers and how long they actually stay at the football club. Why should they? Go and buy five players that Antonio thinks yeah. are good for Chelsea Football Club. You know, they're looking at the longer-term picture, and if he's highlighting certain players that he wants, and they're going, well, we don't want them, yeah. and then he's spitting his dummy out... Well, You've to not empower what a
0: manager to do a Chelsea, actually, JJ, when, you, when they're going to sack play- uh, managers... Rangers. Why go and get six or seven players that he wants? And suddenly they're thinking, well, if he doesn't want to go... If he's saying that about the end of the season... Managing players that you don't want is not an an easy job, is (laughs) it? The history has said (laughs) they're going to sack you. They're not going to have seven players that he wants or five players or whatever. If you're a team... And that's the way football's going. You can get in there and, and four months later, you're a fresh new manager. You could be sacked in four months. So what? What you go and buy seven or eight players and build a squad for somebody else? Oh, he wants a different style. So that's the way it's going. The owners, the the the, the, the owners and directors and whatever, who are putting their own money in, are saying we need a, a little bit of a say, more of a say than ever, because if we are going to sack him, we, somebody else wants to bring a completely new set of players in.
3: I think also it's this, that frustration you can see it, it stems from the transfer window in the summer. He, had, he identified players he wanted and you could see the frustration and disbelief almost in not getting them players and he, he felt let down I'm sure by the, the people at Chelsea and he seems like somebody who, who can't let that go and you see him every single week he looks like he's downtrodden, he looks like he's just got a
1: pure frustration about what's happened to him at this football club at the moment. Let's talk about Alexis Sanchez and what his future might hold. Um, can you make a footballing case for him to join Manchester United over Manchester City?
3: Um, listen, if I'm going to be honest, I had this discussion with my mates yesterday and today. Um, if if he's got an option to go from Arsenal now to go to Manchester City or Manchester United, as a footballer who want who, who wanted to win trophies and would judge myself based on trophies being won at the moment, Manchester City looks like the place to go for him in that res- in that oh, respect. That looked like it hurt. Wow. Um, yeah, it did. <laughs> That's a big shout. Yeah, because they're the top of the top of the league. They're going well, they the, to win the league this season. Yeah. 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 They're in. They're in the Champions League. They're looking like they're going to be in the final for the uh, the League Cup, the FA Cup as well potentially. So he's got more opportunities to win trophies there. So what about for yeah,
2: footballing
4: it's... reasons? What about kind of like style of play and kind of how what, what your manager is going to mm. bring to the table? Well he
3: knows That's Pep. He's been at Pep and I'd say he probably has more, more of an idea. If Pep wants him again now, mm. I'm sure he's thinking, I'm gonna go there and I'm gonna do it the second time round, I'm gonna do it properly this time. Do you
4: think there's a lot of top players in Europe right now? That, uh, that may be kind of looked at by United and by City that would have these same thoughts. Well, yeah. I'm basically choosing yeah, pet. As a professional, as a professional, I, I, yeah.
3: you have to say that the the, the 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 balance of power is starting to cut, is coming back to an even kill almost, and then going that way because you're looking at, at Manchester City. They're so far ahead of everybody else, in, not just in points, but in the way and style that they're playing. They're, they're they're taking teams out before they've even been out on the pitch in terms of mentally teams are saying how many are we going to get beat by today so That's for why a player they've got coming arrogant
4: in city of saying yeah. we're going to 20 million pounds yeah. and that is it yeah. because I'm pretty sure they've had assurances from Alexis sanchez to say That's "Where he wants to go yeah, but at the, the same
3: time for a player you could on the other hand you could say to him well hold on a minute if I'm Manchester United you say you're definitely going to start at Manchester City because they're firing at the moment mm. are you going to start you're going to start here at man united every week because we need you to come in and play the, and play the games and, and get us the goals.
0: For football reasons, I think you're right, City. I think City are the team for the next coming year. You're saying this is where where they're going to be in four, five, six years' time. If he goes to City, I think it's going to happen like that. Mm. They're going to overtake it, Manchester. It,
1: that's what I'm interested in. If it's Go not
0: on. footballing reasons, he stays at Arsenal to the end of the year. Yeah. If it's finances, that 30 million, or to 20 him. million goes to him. Goes
1: to him.
3: Yeah. yeah.
1: I know what his wife would be saying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, you know, f- for people who don't understand the way that works, if he stayed at Arsenal and walked away as a, as a free agent at the end of the season, his agent could go to any football club and say, look, he would cost you £75 million on give him a five-year contract. Yeah. People were going to pay 20 for him in the, in the January window. You give me five, give him 15, and you get a deal. That's that's the way it would work, it isn't it?
0: It depends on what he wants, what is going through exactly. his mind at the moment. Does he want to play for football? Does he want to win the mm. league with City? It won't be a full season with City, anyway. Well, mm. So that's you get the medal, maybe, but it's mm. not quite the same. Mm. Champions League, if they went all the way and won that, yeah, sure, he's going to have a massive influence on that, but You know, it depends, depends on on what's
3: going through. I think at the end of the day, he says to himself, do I take 20, 30 million at the end of the season because I'm a free transfer, or do I take half of that but win a couple of trophies? I'd take half of
1: that and win a couple of trophies. One thing I'm amazed about is that you haven't sat here and said, at the moment, I can see the appeal of Manchester City, but if I'm Alexis Sanchez, I'm telling him right now Next season, Manchester United are going to challenge for the Premier League. Next season, Manchester United are going to be back where I remember them being. Go to Manchester United for the long term. Why don't you feel like that? You didn't ask me that question. Yeah, I did. You so asked you where, where, can yeah, you make a you, so you said, go said to where City. would
3: you go now? Not next season. You used to ask me, where would you go now? What given would you need now? to have but that. You're
1: not talking like a man who thinks that maybe United are going to be back above City next season.
3: I think Man United have to make a good few signings to yeah. get that. They, they're, they're, there's a lot more reshuffling of the jigsaw that needs to be done at Manchester United than at Manchester City. Yeah.
1: Does that hurt you to sit here and say he should join City for footballing reasons?
3: When we get to the break, I'm going to, have to speak to the lady and ask for some tissues because <laughs> this isn't good. This isn't a good moment for me. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't nice, man. Sorry, well, It's, done it's you. where it's at. Manchester City, yeah. you have
1: to pay the respect that they're due, yeah. they're, they're flying. Absolutely, they are. We never thought we'd see the day when Glenn Hoddle gets substituted for Grand Pole. That's a highlight, isn't it? That's a highlight.
2: That's made my day. <laughs>
1: I bet. Um, look, Graeme, so many questions coming in for you on social media. Thanks for joining us just to sort of have a brief chat about your life as a, as a referee. Um, the first one that's come in, and a few people have asked this actually, funny that. Have you ever had to flee a football ground because of angry fans?
2: Yeah, I did. Uh, it was a Monday night game, Sunderland Man United. I don't know if Rio was playing on that. I think Sunderland might have been top at the time he was second. Sent two, play- two Sunderland players off. Right. Um, and actually I got smuggled out because the Sunderland fans surrounded the rest vehicle. They knew where we parked. Wow. Um, so I got in the assessor's car in the back and put a blanket over me and got me out in the back of the stadium.
1: <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah. But it just shows you what it means to people, doesn't it?
2: It it does, and it's 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 difficult because I mean I am there blaming a ref today for for the Watford thing, so I'm no better than than everyone else. It's Mm. it's it's a difficult situation. It's a very emotional game. You have to respect that, but you've also got to respect you know Roger East today, for example. He didn't mean to make a mistake in that game. Uh, Michael Oliver missed a penalty today. Should have given a clear penalty. Referees don't mean it. It's just one of those moments. Players make mistakes in games. You miss it a pass. Centre forwards miss open goals. We're human beings, and uh, you just got to try and keep some perspective on that if you can.
1: What made you want to be a referee? I didn't. Why you had no mates, did you? grow up, you had no mates.
2: <laughs> 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 I tell you, I haven't got any in here. But, um, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those funny situations. You know, I was, I was probably as gifted as Rio on the field, but I thought <laughs> I, many people were. Yeah, I thought uh, I had a bit more speed, so use it down the. But no, I the uh, team folded. I wasn't that great a footballer, to be honest. And uh, it's something I fell into. My dad had been a ref, only local park stuff, and uh, it just, it just. Just one of those things that happened, and after about four games, two two players from each team come up to me and went, "Thanks a lot, that was a really good, ref." And I was only seventeen at the time, and that's kind of the praise you don't get as a mm. seventeen. Well, I never got as a seventeen. You two probably did as footballers, <laughs> and that was it. I was away, and once it gets into your blood, it's, 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 it's you're there.
4: I, I, I played obviously with Rio against Rio, and he, he was one of the worst when it comes to moaning on the pitch, right? <laughs> he he would not stop getting in referees' ears. Now. I, how do you attract referees now? How, we're in a stage now. Referees are constantly getting kind of berated on television by pundits, by players on the pitch. How, Social media. How do media. we, how yeah. do we attract, attract the new generation of referees to go? This is a great job for you.
2: It's, it's, it's a good question. It's interesting now that people are targeting being a professional referee because when I started, there was no such thing as professional referee. Mm. Um, and bear in mind, you have you have six thousand guys stop being referees every year, and they have to attract 6,000 new ones every year. So it's, it's, it's a big, big task. And it's, it's, it's more about retention, because a lot of guys do one year and give up because they don't like the hassle and the stick. And the one thing they, that any referee does that sticks at it, they love football. That's why they do it, because they love it. And that's how you pay back. Sorry, did do did they get, see,
3: did it, sorry, did they get go paid on. good money now? What, what type of money would they get paid?
2: Yeah, a, a professional referee on the Premier League is about 100 grand a year. A year, not good a money. week. Good money, yeah. that, isn't it? A year, not a week. Yeah. Just still good money, right. Graham. Still, we're still we're good money. It, it? Did, <laughs> did, did you notice
1: over time with you know, super slow mo replays and all of the football that's televised now, and yep. particularly the advent of social media, just how much the scrutiny on a referee's performance became almost as important as, as one of the superstar players?
2: Yeah, massive. I mean, it, it, and it was more difficult for us because we were used to not having it. When I, first, when I first got onto the top leagues, and it gradually increased and increased and increased. The difference now for someone like Michael Oliver, that's all he's ever known. Yeah. So he's used to that. So anyone coming in fresh now, that's, that's what it attracts, so you know what you're heading for. Whereas for us, it was difficult. I used, to, I used to go home from a game, and I thought I got them all right, and it wasn't a problem, and we didn't get the scrutiny, and you thought, well, that's yeah. all right. I thought it was quite good. And then over a the few years, you start getting lots of replays, and you realise, actually, it wasn't... And it's, it's a real mess with your mind when you're shown something that you think you've got right, yeah. and it's wrong. And you think, that's not the same incident. That's not the one. They show me a wow. different incident. And it isn't. It's the one. And, and it really plays over your mind.
3: You must have had, like, obviously, played, you, you refereed loads and loads of games and come across loads of different crazy players, yep. uh, some good, some bad. Who were the, the, the most volatile people that tried to sway your decisions most when you, when you were refereeing?
2: Well, Keno Keno would be—he's a strong, strong player. Roy Keane just, just because, he—he he would dominate. He would dominate his own team as well as as well as mm. the opposition, and therefore the referee as well by his sheer will. He would never try and—I don't think he would ever try and con you or cheat you. But there was just something about him. There was an, almost an immovable force about Roy that you just thought, what the hell? And he was scary. How you would know? you deal with him? I, I tried to get on his wavelength, and I tried to make him smile. Because I could see some anger rising in him, so I would I would talk to him. And, and, and because I referee, I mean I referee man United 57 times. So so you know you, you've got the chance to to kind of establish some kind of rapport and relationship with people. And that's what I would try and achieve. Some people didn't like it when they watched me referee, and they said you talk too much to players. I'm not sure you were over keen on it. I think we were all right. We got on okay together. Uh, what made you
1: think Jermaine wasn't over keen? That, that look he just gave me.
4: Mm-hmm. Wait, is that right? What well, over keen on talking to referees? Um, some referees I got on with some uh, I didn't get on with um, and if you know if there were certain situations where I felt like the referee wasn't communicating with me very well mm. I was better off just kind of going right I'll, I'll just deal with it myself rather than getting cuz all I'd get is frustrated and angry yeah. and it just started to affect my performance so I'd just mm. kind of have to just put it to the side and just be like don't, I don't want to talk to you just let me do what I'm doing and then yeah. uh, uh, you, honestly it can in tra- trainings one of the worst places that you experience it as a, like for, for any kind of coach so, who's a ref, and that's when I found out I've got to stop doing this, because in training I would be screaming and shouting at people, and I thought, you know what, I've got I've got to stop having a go at referees. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense.
2: And the art of refereeing as well is knowing which players do want to talk and do want to communicate during a game, and know which players don't and you leave the player alone because you, you must never affect a player's mood or ability to play adversely you can't do that it's not what you're there for
3: it is weird though because I, there were referees who I used to think if I scream for decisions you, invariably you'd, get, you'd get a decision they'd not sway your way but you because you scream first sometimes it must be must There's be a one of them. Yeah, I used to bully Graham, but <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, but you did. It's I used to scream game, for though, everything. It? Yeah, I used to think if I scream yeah. for everything, it's just in my in my in my psyche. If I scream for every every decision, I'm yeah. going
1: to get more than I don't. And what about like when you're warming up before the game? Were you Slightly aggressive towards the ref. Where you're friendly to the ref because the, the games start right from the, the minute you arrive at the stadium, don't no, they?
3: I was always in a tunnel. If the referees would walk past, I'd always say, "Come on, ref, today you've got to give us a couple. <laughs> yeah. Give us a couple today. Yeah. Last you were disgraceful last time, <laughs> the I remember that. Just See, try and get in there somewhere. You, you learned
2: from Fergie, didn't you? Because he was the master at it. He knew exactly the right what did he used to do? press. Well, the first time you went to Old Trafford... They used to have a hot cup of tea for starters. He'd, he, he'd, he'd get right into you. He'd, he'd have a go, even if they won, just to go, that's what I'm like, even when we win. So make sure yeah. you don't...
1: Before go to the game it. or only after the game? After
2: the game. Well, generally wouldn't speak to you before the game. I, but, I mean, I went the second time as an Arsenal game, funny enough, and I walked up the, not the players' tunnel, but the, mm. the tunnel by the changing rooms, mm. and he's standing at the end, and I actually went up and said to him, you know me, don't you? Yeah. I said, you know what to expect today? And he went, yeah, all... And uh, I said, well, you won't be disappointed. And that was it. And from that moment, he he said to me afterwards, I spoke to him afterwards, he he wrote wrote a piece of my book for me. He said, I respected you from that moment because you you were willing to stand up to me. And you think, that's nice. I mean, he still had a go at me. Many, many, many times. Of course he did. The hairdryer was, was off and on. But uh, he, he, he really could dominate some referees, yeah. no question. Yeah.
1: Um, there's been loads of questions coming for you. So if we could just get through a few of them, that'd be great. Just quite short answers just yep. to allow people to have their question asked. Uh, James Drury, would you like to introduce a three yellow card before sending off law?
2: I've I, I pioneered it. It hasn't worked so far.
1: <laughs> well, can you briefly give us the story of that? Like, at what point did you think, oh... He said
2: three yellow. Cards. <laughs> In the changing room afterwards, about 20 Honestly? minutes later, yeah, we had no idea. We oh, were man. celebrating. Our next game was the final. Oh man! And we had no idea. Both assistants were English. No what idea. What do you
1: put? What do you put that down to? Because that's a it's a <laughs> fundamental ability, isn't it, of a reference, to know how many yellow cards a player has had? Yeah. Had you not written the name down on the yeah. back?
2: Stupidity for really? still don't know to this day. I, I, strange. I've, I've never had to refer to. I've sent off 123 players for second yellow cards, yeah. and I've never had to refer to my notebook to wow. know I've done it. Because what I do is, I mental note. I go, I know I've cautioned him, and I look at players because the technique is, if you've been booked, and I'm going to book you again. I'm nodding at you to go, you're off. You know you are. And after the time, the player realises it, he runs off. So it's almost like you're accepting it before I've even gone. Yeah. So it was just a weird. It's one of those perfect storms or the the worst storm for me. I say probably cost me the ultimate football match.
1: Yeah. You um, mind. <laughs> hey, you here now? You here now, uh, Trev? Why is the standard of our professional referees so poor that we have none going to the World Cup?
2: Uh, I don't think the standard is poor. Right. Uh, the reason we have none going to the World Cup is Mark Klattenberg, who was probably the number one referee in the world at the time, uh, decided to retire um, and seek his fortune elsewhere. Can't blame him; it's, it's, it's good money for him. Um, and we didn't have another referee in the elite group.
1: Okay, um, Stuart says, would a mic help the referees to get less abuse from players?
2: Uh, it could do, but the players and the managers don't want it. Why not? Because it would expose some of the stuff that's being said out there that they don't want. Referees ain't angels, by the way. I know. I got reported once.
4: Yeah, yeah it's not just the players. Referees have got a lot to say out there, trust me. Yeah, really? The oh, definitely. They come straight back at you with but you, just yeah. the same yeah. language. But, but you sort of need to, though, don't you? You have yeah. to be I on the players' way. When
3: it. I played, I loved it when I shouted that Graham was one of them. When, I, when I If I said something um, derogatory to one of them... Um, toned down obviously Um, I loved it when they came back with a bit of banter towards me because then I was on a a good wavelength for them and I thought that we can talk a little bit throughout the game and almost help each other through the game at times and I think that's important I think that's something that's kind of crept out of the game a little bit. Rio Rio was always joking
4: I remember a challenge I went into at Old Trafford one time, it was was a bad challenge, I've gone flying in, he's ran from centre off, oh my god referee referee, gets right next to me he's giving me a little look, he's like that's a green ref, that's a green (laughs) (laughs) ref I'm looking at you thinking Ria I know you come on man don't do this to me I don't need to get sent off it's like it's a green I was like alright fair enough always joking Non-star. oh man um, look thanks ever so much for joining us <laughs> one final thing before we get to the break
1: your, your headlines on how VR has gone it's been out for the last sort of week or so what do you think
2: we have to remember it's an experiment, so yeah. it's not perfect by any means. Yeah. Uh, there needs to be more communication with the fans in the stadium. I think we've forgotten the fans in the stadium, and there's a review going on, and they're just sitting there going, "What's happening?" So I know Mike Riley said they're probably going to put on a screen now. Yeah. Review underway. You've only got a review clear and obvious. Stop messing about and doing. I, I saw the Arsenal, the Chelsea Arsenal game, and they're looking at stuff which they shouldn't be looking at, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but. I think, having been to Stockley Park where it's all reviewed, they've got the system there, they just need to apply it properly, which they will do in, in time. You know, we've got probably another 18 games in this country and you'll get stuff today. You know, there were three clear and obvious errors by referees that will be corrected and that's what we're looking for. Not the 50-50s, yeah. not the debatables, the clear and obvious.
1: Good man. OK, right, it's time to talk about dream debuts oh, or nightmare it. starts <laughs> at various football clubs. We'll get the thoughts of these three in a second, but first, from you guys as ever.
2: I think the worst first impression for a Burnley player has to be Adi Um we signed him up for a record free at the time and within four minutes of his debut he got sent off, he headbutted a player, he grabbed him by the throat, um, full on violent conduct, um, live on the telly as well.
1: Sir Bobby Robson, home
5: debut, 8-0 against Sheffield Wednesday. Thank you very much. What a way to introduce yourself to the Jolly faithful. Lloyd Doyley back in 2001, not just because Lloyd went on to become a club legend, playing over 400 games for the Orns, but because of the circumstances in which his debut occurred. At home to Birmingham, Pierre Issa dislocated his shoulder and was stretched off the pitch to make way for Lloyd. However, whilst being carried off, the physio slipped and dropped Issa on the shoulder that he had just dislocated.
3: Worst
1: first impression at Southampton FC must be Ali Jar. He came on the pitch for one game after convincing Graham Souness, our manager, that he was the cousin of George Weir, which you can tell really wasn't true because he was awful.
5: Now, there is only one contender for the best ever Premier League debut, and it happened 18 years ago, practically to this very day. I'm going to take you on a journey. We're going to go back to Stamford Bridge. Chelsea are playing Tottenham, a game where we never lose. It's tight, it's nil-nil. There's two minutes left. Dennis Wise does some brilliant work on the wing, whips it over suddenly. George Weyer, the president of Liberia, rises, knocks it in, Chelsea win 1-0, and that day I knew he was destined for great things.
1: Ah, oh, good days. What was it? <laughs>
4: George.
1: Amazing. What was it like as a manager when you... When you sign players and they sort of turn up for training on that very first day, it's sort of a key moment, isn't it, to get a look at them on the training pitch for the first time oh, yeah. and your heart either sinks or you think, hold yeah. on, <laughs> I've got a cracker here. Well, I've reversed that
0: because I tell you, Arsene Wenger's uh, heart must have sunk. When I was a player and went to Monaco,
1: yeah.
0: my first day, you know, whatever I've done, 13 years at Tottenham went out, goes the out. great Glen
1: Hoddle. So you,
0: I don't know, you just go there and you think the first training, say, I don't care who you are, you're a bit nervous. You think, well, I've got to now stamp, you know, I've got to earn my right here. Well, I dropped my shoulder. and was an eight side going on. I've dropped my shoulder, lovely, and I've never done it in my life. Never once stood on the ball, <laughs> fell, aot. <laughs> you? Yeah, on the floor, and everyone just it was that moment where everyone looked and Everyone, I could. They're
1: thinking, oh, no.
0: what has he bought here? Who's he got? <laughs> <laughs> Who's
1: he got here?
0: And Arsene just looked, and uh, you know, and I, that. So I experienced that myself as a player. My first day's dribble the, I mean, the field.
1: Were you embarrassed or what? You
0: know, yeah, I mean, and, oh. and I'm trying to say, no, I'm. You know, you sort of get out you try
3: to <laughs> brush yourself. Down, round, but though, but I, I think training, me personally, every time I move to a new club, to training, the first training session amongst your teammates. Yeah is the most nerve-wracking because they're the ones who are going to judge you. They're the ones you've got to prove. This is the price tag you've come for. Justify it right now. And they're all looking at you going, go on, what you got? No matter how much they've seen you, how much they've played against you, tell me, show me now what you've got. And it's hard, man.
4: One of the best ones I I ever saw was at Newcastle United and we just signed Jonathan Woodgate. uh, And Bellas and Kieran were kind of the lively two in the changing room. And they've just... They played him against Leeds and tore him apart, to be fair. Anyway, we finished his training session and Bella's and Kieran are in his ear going, I don't know why we bought you. We absolutely <laughs> annihilated you at Ellen Road earlier in the season. So it ended up, Bella's going, come on, let's have a 1v1 now. And Woody went, all right, then, let's do it. Yeah, so right. Richard went, got a bag of balls, stood on the halfway line, no goalie. And Woody went, you won't score in this goal. Bellas has tried to take him down the line Woody's gone all the way with him gone, Bosh, there you go, give me the ball <laughs> And everyone went, to be fair You can't not respect well, that you know what I mean? In front of everybody, in front of the whole team we kind of, Bellas went, right, fair play Let's At that go.
1: point though John the Woodgates just got to take the challenge on hasn't he what does he do on his first day he doesn't oh. back down does he and say oh, no yeah, you Jay, are right, that that takes a right. certain type yeah, exactly. of right takes type
4: to stand up like that yeah. and go okay let's go on let's have it trust me and you know mm-hmm. so a really the case of
1: players case. making new guys feel totally welcome and make them feel part of the squad it's about sort of testing them a bit on that first yeah. day is it like
3: no it depends i don't know i think that you want them to hit the ground running so you don't want to break them on the first day you want them to come into the team and go you know what i'm meant to be here you don't you test them a few a few weeks down the line. Once they're in, they've got their feet under the table and you start digging them a little bit and prodding them mm-hmm. and trying to see what motivates them, what t- makes them tick. I think first days, I think myself, I want to yeah. be welcomed in with open arms. I remember one of my first training sessions, we played a, key, uh, a little piggy At in United. the middle. At United, yeah. And I remember um, the ball came to me and I went to play it on the volley or something and the ball slid off. It was a wet <laughs> surface, obviously. And it hit me, the ball hit me in the face, right? And I remember I had Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, the baby face assassin... Butterwater Mel, he went, how much? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, oh, exactly. you know, confidence went to an all-time low. I can't believe it. Oh, my
1: what were you like with players? I mean, if you just bought a, a new player, you, you want to make life as easy as possible yeah, for them day one, don't, don't you? Manager, yeah, you want to... I
0: related back to my own experience at Monaco. Yeah, you wanted to you wanted to bring them in, and you want them to just hit the road, run yeah. and get the respect of, of of their teammates and whatever. I had a slight problem with um, no problem. It just Mark Steen. I bought. I was at Chelsea, and it was like we paid at the time I think it was 1.2 which for Chelsea at the time was amazing big money yeah so and he was a goal scorer I'd watched him and, and, and in training oh my word the goals he scored if it was a five a side goal full size it didn't matter he was a goal scorer could he get off the mark really? he couldn't get off the mark and I had to stay month after and it eventually he got the one goal and then he broke the Premier League record. Yeah. He just went back-to-back goals and had a run of 10, 12 games. It was amazing. He was, he was a tough one because I, I had to stay with Mark at the time. But I could see in training and everyone, all the players, could see what a finisher he
1: was. And it I, just
0: didn't happen in that first period of time.
1: And You would imagine you know, one football club is the same as another, but the difference between, say, the Tottenham and the QPR dressing room or the United and the QPR dressing room must be like night and day. Just totally different football clubs, different characters,
4: different people come to the fore. I think that's for a whole different Premier League tonight. Joe. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah,
3: it's yeah. you've yeah. opened up a different. Oh, and kind that's of not ones. a joke. It really is.
4: Um, yeah, it was. It's chalk and cheese. And, and I can only imagine what Rio must have thought because <laughs> it was. Uh, you know, Rio's come from a, a club that was winning things and was yeah. was driven. I came from a, a very well run football club, and I was in shock. So um, yeah, save that for another show. Well, I'll
1: tell you what. We'll do it the next time you're both on tee it up for us in 10 seconds. What can we expect to hear hear about?
3: Well, I remember being in the car, me and Bobby Zamora used to travel back and forth to training, and I remember after a couple of weeks, he looked at me in the car and and kind of put his hand across and said, Rio, what are you doing?
2: (laughs)
1: Thanks for listening to the Premier League Tonight podcast. Next Saturday, we'll be at the home of league leaders Manchester City who take on Newcastle live on BT Sport 1 from 5 o'clock. And if you enjoyed this week's show, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. Bye for now.